1: Hello, everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined by Sean Siegel, my co host here on Road of His Overtime, also the co host of the Stealing Bananas podcast with Ben Gretsch, which I think you hopefully are subscribed to already. If you aren't, I think you should subscribe to that one as well as Road of His Overtime and all the other great podcasts up on the Road of His Radio podcast network. Sean, today we're going to answer some questions specifically about. Jonathan Taylor and should we draft him should we trade him what should we be doing in 2022 so really looking forward to doing that a couple of listeners submitted questions that we're going to dive into to look at it from two different elements and then we're also going to look at a recent draft in the Superflex FFPC tournament that one of our listeners have submitted in for our review we'll, we'll try and be as nice as we can sometimes people write to say that we're too nice with our reviews but we'll see what the draft looks like and uh, we'll give our our honest feedback then on how things look in this one but sean jonathan taylor he is our guy do we say he's our guy but uh we'll see how the the listener questions come in um, and we'll we'll answer them then to the, the best of
2: our ability but how are you as we get ready for the third show of the week here i'm good and anytime that we get to talk a little bit more about jonathan taylor we're excited to do that we've got a couple of trade questions here Colin, from different directions which i think is perfect because it gives a sort of well-rounded feel for what dynasty managers might be wanting to accomplish with their trades what you would need to get to make it really pay off to buy what you would need to get in order to sell successfully. And this first one is a question from General Hartles and he's asking if you have a deep team and you wanted to execute our concept of perpetual reloading, would you trade Taylor now to give a little bit of a feel for what this particular deep team looks like? The quarterback position is Loaded, got a lot of depth with Dak Fields, Tua, Zach Wilson. The running back position potentially elite with Taylor, Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, Gibson, White, Edmonds. You go to the wide receivers, and yeah, I mean this is depth when you have both Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup. You're expecting to score a ton of points in those front line positions. And you have, uh, I'm assuming DJ Moore here, Terry McLaurin, Sutton, Rondell Moore. And Jacoby Myers. And then when we look at the tight ends. you got Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, and Gerald Everett. So this team loaded, has his 23 first, has his 23 second, and looking to add more onto that. There are a couple of things that jump to mind here. One would possibly be that I don't know if I would risk diminishing my starting lineup, especially if you're looking forward to the semifinals and finals with a team that's this powerful and this young by moving Taylor, the other element would be that maybe there are some other guys who would bring a lot and would reduce your risk in a different type of way. If I'm moving Taylor, I'm either going to get an absolute ton, which I think you can do. I mean, there are going to be some trades out there like that. And we've been saying, you know, acquire taylor at all costs and sometimes the at all costs part is actually going to be pretty compelling <laughs> well who are you looking at on this team what are you thinking would you be selling taylor from this lineup I'll, I'll
1: give my thoughts here and then i'll see what what you think on it i don't think on this roster you kind of hinted at this i think i would be keeping taylor based on like this this roster is like a dream team uh, the way it's set up here is absolutely stacked throughout there's a lot of our favorite guys on it he did mention just add into it that he figures taylor's value will never be higher and if i could get picks plus players back you know and hit on some of them would it be something that we would do would we trade taylor away looking at the roster as a whole the player that i think that i would be moving that would fit the the reloading would be cooper cup and that's gonna be very hard to give him up but i think that he's the older player in this kind of list of wide receivers that you have that has the most value and I think I would be trying to move him for a younger wide receiver plus the picks or maybe just a young wide receiver straight up because he is the person that the age cliff could really take a hit on the soonest on this roster the other player that I'd probably be looking to potentially move is McLaurin but I don't think the value is there to do that but the interesting part on this roster is you have Jonathan Taylor you have Javante Williams you have Etienne, and then you have really solid depth with Gibson White and Chase Edmonds But I think I would still be holding on to Jonathan Taylor. I would be interested in potentially moving some of the the lower-end running backs. But when we're looking at selling that player when it's at the peak of its value and that window could close very quickly, I think that for me, Cooper Cup is the player that I would be moving here. Is that what you'd be looking at over moving on from Jonathan Taylor?
2: For me, Cup is a little bit tricky, and in part because of some of the things that you mentioned, because you're not going to get the value that goes with his scoring. So Cup might be one of those types of players that you actually let fall almost to zero. You write it out and see how long he delivers that scoring for you. Now, if you do get someone who's going to come in and pay as though he just scored 25 points per game last season and happened to be 24 years old, then you have to take that. And there might be some trades out there that are that good. And so, you know, you would feel around a little bit. But I guess I would want cups points in my lineup the same way I would want Taylor's points. There are five guys on this team that I think you could look to sell who might be a little bit more risky than Taylor in terms of holding the trade value and probably don't have quite the same ability to impact the 2022 season. Now, we talked on... I believe a recent episode of Stealing Bananas looking at this permanent championship window element as we were talking about the road of this triflex dynasty format where Blair Andrews and I had traded Javante Williams and Michael Carter pre-draft for J.K. Dobbins in a 2023 first, second, and third. Obviously, a few things have happened since that point to where you maybe can't get that trade. At the same time, especially from a dynasty perspective, Javante Williams, very, very valuable the concern that I would have is that if the offense ends up being a little bit more pass heavy or Melvin Gordon gets a little bit more of the work than we're expecting. And one of the things that we've said is, especially in redraft, don't overrate the presence of Gordon there. As you look to how Williams could score, the ceiling is very high, but there's also a little bit of that risk. And because he's so good, I mean, Javante was a guy who comes in at the very top of so many of the metrics that we like. If you pull up the advanced stat explorer, for example, because he was so good and because he's so young and because the Denver Broncos could score so many points, even with Melvin Gordon resigning the trade value there should be immense. And so, I mean, you're not going to get the same thing you would get for Taylor, but you can get a ton and allow yourself to diversify the risk a little bit on the guy who maybe doesn't score as many points this season as we would like. I do also like the possibility of at least looking to move both of the commanders players. Now, for the same reason that you said that Terry McLaurin probably doesn't have the value that you need, neither does Antonio Gibson, but if you could move one of them, then you reduce a little bit of the risk of this Washington offense. That's going to be quarterbacked by Carson Wentz and also has a lot of different pieces, right? You have, you know, Curtis Samuel possibly coming back healthy. You have the selection of Dotson. You have at running back, the selection of Brian Robinson, all of those things do neutralize the trade values some. But if you work on this, and especially if you put these guys in a package, maybe with somebody else, these players are still going early enough in best ball. So early enough in redraft types of formats that we know there is some value there. You're not going to get this massive package that maybe you would have gotten a year ago, but you might be able to trade them and not miss them because of the point scoring potential you have on so many of the rest of the players. The other couple of guys I like to possibly move here, Colin, or maybe a little bit more controversial in that the Denver Broncos, just kind of like the situation with Javante Williams, they are loaded at wide receiver and also, you know, unfortunately for Albert O, loaded at tight end at this point. Cortland Sutton has such a great ceiling now in there with russell wilson we could see him emerge as a true star in 2022 he's not that young there is some risk that jerry judy and even someone like kj hamler not actually move ahead of him but take a big chunk of the scoring there's the possibility that one or both of these tight ends are very very involved and so if you can sell to a manager who is looking at the potential of stardom for sutton then i think that's a way to sell before a guy gets a little bit older, before he potentially loses this, you know, just the shine from this potential scenario where he becomes an absolute star. Now, if you sell and that happens, there's gonna be a little bit of disappointment, but if you get the right trade, you know, you you execute on the right offer, then you've got some things coming back in your direction as well. And you're gonna have this perpetual reload element to where even if you actually lose this really cool season you're going to be in good shape in the long term another person who's a little bit like that is mark andrews right and i wouldn't necessarily recommend selling if you didn't have kyle pitts and Gerald everett but Andrews, someone where especially if you can bring back a tight end who's interesting or just get a ton of value for it mark andrews is one of these guys who is going to be extremely efficient we know that he's among the best tight ends in the nfl he, he's one of these players because of the volume in the baltimore ravens offense that i almost think that every time that he has this huge spurt you have to sell and every time he goes through a stretch where they run the ball too much or just are way ahead and jk dobbins is rushing for 150 yards and three touchdowns a game i mean colin we got to put that out there and and try and make that happen when you go through those stretches then you have to buy right because his value is going to jump up and down based on how the ravens have played the last handful of games that's not to say that you're selling mark andrews because you think he's done or that he's not going to score or that you've got to definitely get out of him before he gets older but there are some elements there to where if you get big value for him this might be a chance to move him now i do think that they're going to pass more i think that lamar jackson's going to have a big season they don't have a lot behind andrews and rashad bateman so just like in the other scenario you could make a move that you then look back on in you know four months and then think what was I doing? But that's a little bit of the the element of the perpetual reloading where we want to make sure that we're continuing to turn the roster over. We're getting a lot back. You have these rookies to come in and reload it. And then we don't get so risk averse in terms of worrying about, are the guys on my roster going to hit this really high end season and I'm going to miss that. And so I'm afraid to make moves. Now, obviously this particular manager is not afraid to make moves because he's willing to sell uh, Jonathan Taylor. It might be that there are some other guys on the list here that make even more sense, but I love the the general direction of how he's thinking about this team.
1: The other question that came in again regarding Jonathan Taylor came in via YouTube. That first one came in through Twitter. So great to be getting the questions in through the different formats. And of course if you haven't already checked out the road of his YouTube head On over and hit that subscribe button. But, um, it comes in from Chip. He says, What are your thoughts on this dynasty 1QB PPR 12 team trade that he just made? So, it is the 102, the 103, the 107, all for 2022, and DJ Moore for Jonathan Taylor 2022, 112, and 2023 first round. So, if we're looking at the 2022 picks, that was. The 102 103 and 107 to move back to the 112 and a 2023 first round was the other pick so the two players involved dj moore and jonathan taylor pretty fun trade pretty straightforward trade in terms of the overall value um but moving his dj moore which we have a lot of concern during the quarterback situation in carolina but we really love dj moore um as an actual player Um, If we could just get him an efficient, proper quarterback, we would have a a great season from him. But what's your thoughts on that with acquiring Taylor, who we've talked about acquiring, and then giving up more and the three first-round picks?
2: I would be interested to know how the 112 turns out. One of the things that we've talked about a lot sort of in the aftermath of the NFL draft is that in superflex you had the like true first round picks going through about the 110 and then at the 111 to approximately the 206 you have an area that maybe isn't as strong now in a lot of seasons that's going to be very different in one qb which is what this format is in 2022 because the only quarterback who would really be in there would be kenny pickett probably not as much of a difference if you assume pickett is moved out, and you can't necessarily make that assumption. I mean, there are going to be some one QB leagues in which Pickett goes still in the first round. But if you move him to the 203, 204 ish range, then you're saying, okay, that first tier stretches to about the 109, and then your three picks deep into uh, just kind of this area that maybe is flatter, maybe doesn't have players who are that exciting, or maybe they're exciting, but they're very risky. So the 102, the 103, the 107, they're all in this range where we're going to get some good guys. And you look at that, you compare to Jonathan Taylor, he's in the portion of our dynasty rankings where he's worth three first round picks. So if you wanted to kind of break down this trade of Taylor and then the other pieces, you say Taylor for the two, three, and seven, that seems pretty balanced. And then you have DJ Moore for the 112 and the 2023 first round pick. That part of it, Also, pretty interesting. Colin DJ Moore is tough because his peripherals are fantastic. We believe in the trajectory for him. He was a superstar in college. He's drafted in the first round. He comes out and plays well right away. He's got the ability to be a very well rounded NFL wide receiver, good before the catch, good after the catch. You can hit him short, you can hit him deep. Uh, He's physical and he's still sort of in this
1: still only 25 just turned 25
2: right and so i mean are you going to part with a 25 year old dj moore for the 112 and a 2023 first i mean maybe you are right because their quarterback situation is just so rough i mean you look at one of the reasons that we have maybe some questions about this sort of wide receiver golden range of drafts that always exists from you know really the first round through the sixth or seventh round but definitely from the third round through the seventh round and maybe this so many of the stars are going to go off three through five you look at that three through five range this year one of the reasons that it just doesn't get you excited in the same way is that you have players like dj moore like terry McLaurin. Where you expect the quarterback play to, you know, mitigate their personal strengths and even, you know, neutralize this profile that they have. Where you go in and you look at, you know, some of the air yards info, some of the ability to demand targets on a per route basis, you know, all of that you look at and say, well, I mean, this guy has got to be a third round pick. And then you look at the quarterback situation, the efficiency, and you find yourself benching these guys in the fantasy playoffs and if you don't bench them then losing because you played them that part is tough and so if you can move someone and take a little bit of that risk away we talk about 25 years old and 25 years old yeah i mean that guy could have five six seven more really strong seasons at the same time when you're talking about trading someone or acquiring someone if you were on the opposite side of this and acquiring dj Moore, and you say okay well we want to play him for two years and then we want to trade him you're looking at these two years and you're like okay i I don't know what's going to happen here because they have sam darnold and matt corral and then when he's 27 especially if he's 27 and he's had two more years that were disappointed because of quarterback play are you going to be able to move him at 27 and get the value back that you would want i mean probably not and so even though this would be hard to be able to move dj Moore for the 112 in a 2023 first round pick and one of the things about these 2023 first i mean the community is probably getting ahead of itself i mean there are good things that could happen to the class i mean you could have a couple more breakouts happen next season of guys who have monster years and then you're thinking well i mean this 2023 first round is going to be one of the greatest of all time you could also have players underperform you could have injuries and suddenly you're like well i mean i shouldn't have (laughs) moved like peak stars just for a pick in this draft that maybe now especially in the one qb league where it could be a little bit flatter or just that first round the real elite value doesn't stretch to the 9th 10th 11th 12th picks and regret it a little bit but i mean i think you have to make this move right you end up with jonathan taylor you end up with a 2023 first round pick both of those things are just so highly coveted at this point in time, there'll be a you'll have opportunities to play Taylor, score those points, you'll be able to get back out of him in all likelihood. You have this 2023 first round pick. I like this, but this is a difficult trade to evaluate because it's a balanced trade. And I mean, those are the kind of trades that people should be making.
1: Yeah, it's it is balanced and it's a lot of fun, a lot of intrigue because you mentioned, you know over the next two seasons Jonathan Taylor probably is going to outscore DJ Moore but then the picks that are involved and so on and so forth is is intriguing to see what those picks end up as for example that one 1.02 pick is probably going to be Kenneth Walker probably in most formats where there's no quarterbacks for example it could be wide receivers but it's interesting then when we put the names behind the picks to see how it all plays out but thanks to Chip for submitting that question via
0: YouTube. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: The final one today is from PM Farley via Twitter. And I have to give uh, PM a shout out. He is one of the true OGs of the Rotoviz overtime community often sends in questions and uh, always thoughtful in terms of what he's asking for us to, to try and decipher then on the show. But he is saying, shoot me straight, how did I do in my first FFPC Superflex best ball tournament? Uh, he said he wanted to keep going wide receivers, but only starting three most weeks, made him hold back. And this was a, a point, Sean, you made when we did talk a little bit about the Superflex format in your recent draft with Blair Andrews. The fact that you kind of uh, are with the super flex element you're kind of going to be starting a quarterback on most weeks in that spot so it's lowering the flex availability then for you versus the, the non-super flex tournaments i guess you'd say over at the ffpc so running through his draft in general i'll give you the summary of how the roster finishes up at the end of it all so uh, he goes kyler murray he has tua he has kenny pickett Brees hall rashad white tyler beatty Josh Jacobs, Devin Singletary, darrell Williams, Julio Jones, AJ Brown, LaVisca Chenault, T Higgins, Justin Jefferson, Gabriel Davis, Chase Claypool, Rondell Moore, Pat Fairmouth, Trey McBride, and Mike Gasecki. And just to give an idea of how this draft then played out with that being his overall roster, starts with Kyler Murray in the first round at the 106. So he's picking from the 106, then Justin Jefferson, then Tua, then AJ Brown, T Higgins, Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs, Gabriel Davis. Mike Kosicki, Fairmouth, Singletary, Kenny Pickett, Chase Claypool, Rashad White, then Rondell Moore, Williams, McBride, Julio Jones, LaVisca Chenault, and Beatty, then in his last pick in the 20th round. So, looking through that roster, Sean, what are some of the key takeaways? How are we going to rate this roster, and what's our thoughts? I think, you know, Murray at the 106 is, is very fair there. Um, I think that's a good pickup, and then to to be able to pair him with the second quarterback drafted then so at the 207 justin jefferson was the second quarter sorry second wide receiver off the board uh cooper cup went at the 111 what's your your thoughts there as the the
2: draft starts off i really like this start you uh, we talked about on tuesday where blair and i took taylor at the 103 and so clearly that's a possibility but you give yourself so much flexibility and upside and safety when you take the qb there and you look at murray I'm just going to be interesting to track his cost as we go through draft season. He has that suspension for DeAndre Hopkins that could knock down his upside over the first six weeks of the season. You look at it big picture though, and they've given him even more weapons than he had before. And when we look at him healthy, really nobody has more upside. Definitely Burrow, Herbert and Mahomes have to hit on just magical passing seasons to be competitive with what murray jackson and josh allen can do when they're firing on all cylinders that doesn't necessarily mean that murray is a better pick than those guys or that you would pick him before but when you're talking about the upside to win a tournament i like him there you come back with jefferson in the second round you like that value with Taylor McCaffrey, Eckler, and Kelsey gone. There really isn't a QB that you would be looking at at that juncture. Trey Lance maybe, but you're hoping that he might come back to you at the 306. Not super likely. I mean, his ADP is going to be in that 2-3 turn area. But Jefferson, Chase, those guys so close together. Jefferson gives you a little bit more of the potential elite target volume where sharing with Adam Thielen and Irv Smith, even though those guys will be involved, KJ Osborne had a nice sort of establishing himself as an NFL player type of season last year. It's not that the other targets won't be involved in it, but when you look at who is going to be just so clearly the centerpiece, they have that situation there with the dome. You're expecting them to be involved in more shootouts. You like that pick then it wraps back around really the one that might be a little bit more controversial here column is Tua in round three and I mean this could really work out or it could be a little bit of an issue how excited are you for him when you consider this situation where he has Tyreek Hill and an emerging Jalen Waddle Waddle might be the better of those two wide receivers in 2022.
1: Well, I was going to say that's a big call to say that he may be the the better, but that is the potential as well of him heading into his second season, being familiar with quarterback. It'll be fun to watch those two to see how it does work out through the season. Uh, Two, I think, is somebody who I think maybe the hate on him is, is a bit too far. I, I know like on social media, for example, if anything is posted about him from, for example, the Miami Dolphins social media team, I think they do a bad job of what they show often. him. But there's usually a lot of conversation around that he is no good, basically, is the the key takeaway. But I do think uh, he is somebody who is better than people are talking about. He's a QB 16 in this draft in the mid-third round. I think that he is somebody who's viable in 2022 specifically what the wide receivers that you have mentioned there and Tyreek Hill and Waddle who both are very good after the catch as well so he is somebody I think that in superflex I'm going to take this year and I do think in some of the best ball tournaments where maybe if we don't get the quarterbacks we want I think he could be interesting as the second quarterback um in drafts as well and, and regular formats but i think it's pretty fair before him two picks earlier trey lance goes shortly after him Deshaun watson goes trevor lawrence justin fields matt ryan james winston are the quarterbacks that go within the next round and a half so i think if we're looking at those guys i think fields probably has the the most upside um but i think to uh overall probably is the next in line with with that group of uh quarterbacks after that sean then we do go to aj brown who I'm always on board with an A.J. Brown pick. And then we get T. Higgins as well um, at the 506, which is really, really nice at that point. Um, interesting, you know, if we're looking at potential stacking of quarterback wide receivers, Jalen Waddell did go two picks after T. Higgins there. So that was an option with having already drafted Tua uh, as the quarterback. But to start off, Kyler Murray, Jefferson Tua, and then AJ Brown and T. Higgins and Then the next pick, Sean, is Brees Hall at the 607. I think that's a very, very solid start.
2: It is, and Brown and Higgins are the guys where if you're drafting in a non-superflex draft and you have the 101 or the 102, you're looking to create that start where you have Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey and then get Brown and Higgins to just give you star, young, dominant wide receivers to build the wide receiver base. And to have Jefferson brown and higgins here it's very easy to envision the possibility of week 17 all three of those guys factor in the lineup you have the two wide receiver spots you have the flex spot they all go for you know 20 plus points maybe a couple of them go over 30 and you're sitting there and you've won and that part of it I think is very exciting the aj brown selection is interesting the immediate running backs who go after him are aaron jones nick chubb and leonard fournette i think all of those guys are going to score a lot of points i think those are good picks in that range but probably wouldn't get me off of aj brown the guy who is maybe interesting there is saquon barkley barkley is tough because you have these two competing scenarios both of which are very easy to envision the one is that saquon barkley is basically into that portion of his career where he's david johnson after the injury and continuing to draft david johnson during that stretch was devastating to fantasy lineups on the other hand a lot of positive buzz about how many passes Barkley is going to catch I expect this offense to be better he's going to have recovered from the injury situation last year and it's kind of easy to forget the fact that he was starting to look like himself post the serious injury and the injury that actually stopped him last year was a twisted ankle right stepping on another player's foot you have that basketball type of injury and it's not that those injuries you know can't be devastating in the short term but man if Barkley looks like himself this offseason he's going to be a difficult player to pass in this mid fourth range in super flex you get back to Higgins at the 506 and the player who goes right before him is Camp Acres. that would have been possibly an interesting choice as you wrap back around Ezekiel Elliott Antonio Gibson Travis Etn David Montgomery Etn would have perhaps been an interesting choice but the player that he gets here in priest hall we love him as the sort of soft zero rb play obviously once you remove the quarterbacks if you want to look at it that direction i mean it's not really into that zero rb territory but to have hall as sort of your foundation back that could pay off it'd be interesting to know who would have gone with at the 706 if dobbins had made it two more picks he goes at seven four you're a couple picks away from being able to start hall and dobbins after getting two quarterbacks and after getting three superstar wide receivers either way josh jacobs is the selection and he's a guy where he's been a little bit disappointing for the raiders but he's been a good player he showed that last season he was involved in the passing game they've added so many passing weapons and it doesn't look like he's probably going to score that many points from that perspective but we spent tuesday's show talking about how explosive the raiders could be how well Derek carr might play there's potential here for josh jacobs to have a 15 16 17 touchdown season in which case this pace this pick will pay off massively yeah
1: so i'm not really on josh jacobs this season but you know the offense being better is definitely going to help him as well when we look at it though my question just to we went through the players and there's a, a lot of these guys we do really like Jacobs would be the one that's probably standing out for me that I I may have gone a different direction. But when we go through it, it's a three-quarterback, six-running back, eight-wide receiver, three-tight end build overall. The question then that I would have when we're looking at the overall structure is what's your thoughts on the number of those positions drafted, but then how the structure came about. So we did mention the start of it with the two quarterbacks, three-wide receivers, but then we do go Brees Hall and Josh Jacobs and back-to-back picks. With getting Brees Hall there at that point, would you be trying to, to stick then with wide receivers or tight ends instead of that Josh Jacobs pick to to keep the structure going? And What do you think of the overall roster build from that perspective?
2: No, I don't think you need to stay wide receiver there in this format that essentially has one less flex position. If anything, you might want to have a little bit more total running back firepower on the team. But again, you're looking at Devin Singletary and his price, the ability to add him into rosters as an inexpensive RB3 basically means that you can have your cake and eat it too. Now that's not to say that Devin Singletary is necessarily going to go out and score a ton of points. We don't know how the season is going to play out, but from a probabilistic perspective, you just aren't going to get that type of option at that type of price very often having that kind of in your back pocket as you build these teams out is something that gives you a lot of flexibility and then in terms of overall wide receiver strength and this team ends up with a ton gabriel davis ends up on this roster he's a guy who looking at 2023 drafts could jump a couple more rounds and he's someone where there is some concern about the current price and there's potential for him to underperform his price but he's also a guy where you know if he jumps again you wouldn't be surprised this team has Chase Claypool, very wide range of outcomes there, which could benefit you in a tournament format. Rondell Moore, very wide range of outcomes there. That could benefit you. Julio Jones could sign with an interesting team and jump six rounds you know, in a matter of 60 seconds. LaVisca Chenault, wide range of outcomes. So the the build from that perspective is perfect because there are a lot of different ways that this team could win. You know, even at the tight end position where you have Gasicki and Friar Moose. Now, are there some guys even later that might have more upside? There are, but Gasicki, Friermuth, either of those players could jump into the elite level this season. And then Trey McBride, especially with Kyler Murray, yeah, it's most likely going to be Zach Ertz. But one of the reasons why we're not as concerned about DeAndre Hopkins in the first six weeks when you're drafting a Kyler Murray is that they've got players, they've got talent. And we don't know how it's going to play out, but I think you can be confident that it plays out in a way where i mean aj green isn't the star <laughs> and so i think there's a lot of it, room for enthusiasm not only about the overall build but then the specific players drafted are a lot of fun
1: yeah no really really fun draft overall and and thanks to pm for sending that in hopefully you enjoyed that feedback on the draft i think overall from the takeaway from from both sides from sean and myself is that this is a, a really solid draft and looking forward hopefully this is one that will be able to win its its division and uh, maybe make a little bit of a chase then after some big money at the end of the season. But that is going to do it for today's show, the third edition of the week. Hopefully, you've enjoyed listening into all our episodes this week. Please drop us a written and review on your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. We are now into June, and like to mention these sort of things sometimes on the show. Uh, May turned out to be our best month ever for podcast downloads across. The podcast network and then of course if we get those ratings and reviews it helps us with the podcast algorithms and helps spread the word off the road of his overtime and the road of his radio podcast network to more listeners more people joining the community and if you can drop that review we would really appreciate it thanks for all the listens throughout the month we really appreciate your continued support it's great to continue to grow that community for this podcast and for the Rhodeves Radio Network as well. But that is going to end today's show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, check out Sean Siegel's great work up on rotaviz.com. And until we're back next week, have a good one.